0: All right, welcome back to the Queen City Sports Show, everybody. Uh, today we got a very special guest, uh, Mo Egger from ESPN 1530. Uh, we're going to talk about the Reds for a little bit. So thanks for coming on, Mo. Appreciate it.
1: Blake, it's no problem. How are you?
0: Doing all right. How about yourself? I'm good, ma'am. All right. So uh wanted to start it off with. Um, you know, the thing that I've been talking about a lot, uh, you know, recently, one of the big talking points for the Reds this year has been has been the bullpen. So, uh, you know, looking at the bullpen the way it is uh, and some of the guys on the team, you know, position players, uh, who do, who do you think are some of the guys that, you know, could be moved at the trade deadline to get some bullpen arms if they choose to do that?
1: You know, I, I think that's an interesting question. And, you know, whenever we talk about making the bullpen better, whenever we talk about what the Reds could do at the deadline, invariably somebody will say, well, look, you don't want to give up Hunter Green or Nick Ladello. You won't have to. Um, it, it, every general manager in baseball is probably going to say to Nick Crawl, boy, we'd like Hunter Green. And that's all well and good. That's that's like me asking out, you know, the, the homecoming queen. You, you could ask. They're going to say no. Um I, I tend to think I tend to think that the more interesting trade candidates are guys that we've already seen in Cincinnati this year. I, I think sometimes we, and look, there there may be every reason to think the Reds are going to trade somebody who hasn't yet appeared in a big league game, but we always limit the conversation to prospects, right? Prospects, prospects, guys who haven't who haven't uh, appeared in a big league game before. I, I would wonder if guys that we've seen in Cincinnati might be the more useful chips in terms of. Nick Craw being able to say, look, we'll give you Nick Senzel, right? Nick Senzel, granted, he's hurt all the time, but he was the number two overall pick. He's still just 26 years old, and you have years of cost control. You have years of team control uh, with Nick Senzel. So he, to me, would be an interesting trade candidate. Are teams interested? I don't know. Would Nick Senzel in his own be enough to get you a quality relief pitcher? I don't know. But it does sort of feel like they have no real position for him. It does feel like the ascension of Jonathan India and uh, maybe Tyler Naquin to a large degree. And the fact that they still have Suarez and Mustakis might make him quote expendable. I don't know that for sure. Vladimir Gutierrez. Now I don't want to give him up. He has really been a savior in the back end of that rotation, but again, cost control years of team control, a lot of upside. He's at the big league level right now. Uh, He's a guy that you could certainly use to help you now, but also somebody that you could pencil in and long term be a starting pitcher. Would a team say we'd take Vladimir Gutierrez, Tyler Naquin, uh, the ultimate sell high type guy, right? They got him for next to nothing. He's performed better than anybody ever would have expected. Uh, Would a team want Tyler Naquin and then a chance to negotiate with him and maybe have him be. Uh, the guy long-term-ish. The, 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 the question about what the Reds should do with the deadline, to me, is often met with more questions. Is there a team that looks at Aristides Aquino and says, uh, all right, look, we're not in it, but we'll give this guy a shot. We'll give this dude three to 400 plate appearances, and if we've stumbled onto something, great. If not, we gave up maybe a relief pitcher who's got a contract that's expiring. Mm-hmm. I, I I tend to think that those are some of the more interesting trade scenarios, right? And, and the other thing with this is it doesn't always have to be a deal for a relief pitcher or a deal between uh, two teams, one of which is not contending and the other of which is contending. We talk trade deadline and it's always and understandably so uh, you know team that's a thousand games out of first place is gonna get rid of its guys who are under expiring contracts and the teams that are contenders are going to give them young young prospects. Who's to say you can't pull off a deal between a team that's in it and maybe finds a bullpen uh, arm expendable but could use a bat, could, could use an infielder, could use a center fielder? Right now the Reds have three center fielders. I'm not sure how they're sold on any one of them. But is there a team that goes, you know what? We can put Shogo Akiyama in there against righties. He's a plus defender. He can, uh, you know, maybe get on base for us and we'll give up a relief pitcher in order to get him. And we're both better. Both teams are better for the stretch drive. I, I, I think that trades involving major league players, guys who are on the roster, are more interesting. The, the Jose Berea thing, right? This is going to be an unprecedented class of free agent shortstops. Trevor Story is probably going to be traded by the Colorado Rockies. Uh, does acquiring Trevor Story. Perhaps involve the Reds trading the shortstop of the future, especially because they just drafted one who's a college player who seems to be close-ish to getting to the big leagues perhaps as soon as 2023. Or do the Reds go, look, we're um we're gonna trade our shortstop prospect to make the team better elsewhere, and then we're gonna jump into this pool of available free agent shortstops this offseason. I don't think the answer is yes, but. there are so many different possibilities. The job of a general manager is to be creative. The job of a baseball operations department is to have a pretty wide list of guys that they're interested in. And the job of the, 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 the people who run the farm system is, is to cultivate enough talent that there's a little bit of a surplus that you can deal from when you look to make the big league club better. So, you know, again, whenever, well, make a trade. Well, you don't want to trade Hunter Green, do you? No, you don't have to. I mean, I, I I don't necessarily need the best relief pitcher available. I need more reliable arms than the Reds have right now in their bullpen, and I don't think that's going to cost the arm and a leg that everybody fears it's going to cost. It is going to cost something of value. But, again, look at the big league roster. Um are there players that you would trade from it in order to make the big league roster better? I I think I think the answer could be yes.
0: Yeah, and that's that's kind of something I've been thinking uh, recently. I've been kind of looking at the roster, uh, you know. Sinzel's somebody I've kind of you know he's they took him they took him second overall, right? He uh, you know he's he's younger. He's still twenty six. Uh, I think you know dealing him wouldn't be that you know, end of the world with and playing how he is. Uh, I would like to see, you know, maybe see what they can get from Shogo. Uh, he hasn't been playing uh, as much as, you know, probably he would like as well. And, you know, I think that with, you know, Sims and Antone uh, and, you know, Lorenzen uh, coming back, uh, probably be after the All-Star break. I think they got some arms there. I think they're, they're going to need one more. And, you know, dealing Hunter Green and Lodolo, I don't see that as something that, they should do or even would think about uh, another name that I've been, you know, kind of thinking about here. I don't know. You know more than I I do about the Reds. So uh, this might kind of, this might seem kind of stupid. What do you think about, you know, maybe seeing what they could get for Tucker Barnhart in terms of getting a relief pitcher, you know, with Stevenson playing how he is?
1: Uh Yes and no. I mean, you know, Tucker has had a a really nice offensive season, certainly relative to what you expect from him, certainly relative to what he performed at last year, career high OPS. He's still, you know, very good behind the plate. I I guess the, the two things that I would wonder would be, all right, number one, who's the other catcher, especially as long as Kyle Farmer is getting the the amount of reps he's getting at shortstop. Number two, they're using Tyler Stevenson pretty frequently at first base. If something were to happen to Joey Votto, is Stevenson the guy you want playing first base and then who's catching? So um, I, I, I certainly understand why people would bring it up. Tucker's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Uh, Stevenson is the catcher of the future, a guy that I think projects to maybe being an all-star one day. But that's a pretty big void. Also, I guess I would also wonder um, the strength of this team right now seems to be, or, or one of the strengths of this team seems to be its starting pitching. Does the pitching take a hit without uh, a guy that many of them love throwing to uh, no longer behind the plate. So uh, again, that's a question that gets answered with, with more questions. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be interesting this offseason season. If we assume that Tucker's going to finish the year in Cincinnati, It's going to be interesting to me to see what the Reds do because Stevenson's the guy, right? Uh, Long, one of this team's best prospects. I think they love his work behind the plate, but do they view him as a guy that they can maybe move elsewhere because they value his bat on an everyday basis? Do they bring back Tucker and have this one, two combo of Barnhart and Stevenson and Stevenson plays elsewhere on occasion? Do they view him as a guy that could one day play first base on a full-time basis? Joey Votto is going to be 38. And you only have them for two more years, uh, or are they happy enough with what they've got in the in the pipeline that they let Tucker Barnhart go? Uh, I I think that's one of the more interesting questions. But the, the catching position on this team has turned into a little bit of a strength, both from an offensive standpoint, and I think both those guys are are more than capable of holding their own on on defense. Tucker Barnhart's a two time goal Glover. Uh, I, I I think it would it would require a lot for the Reds to break that combination up.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's something that I didn't really, you know, think of was how it would affect the pitchers. I think that, uh, you know, going into this offseason, that's going to be a tough decision to make for them. I do, I mean, I really like Tyler Stevenson. I think he's going to be, you know, really good, really good offensively for a long time. And I think that, you know, another question is what, you know, they can't really trade Joey Votto with that contract. So what's the next move at first base? And I, I do kind of like Stevenson there, but you know, then the question becomes who's the catcher. So, uh, you know, and I think it?
1: the other thing you have to consider is next year, there's a very strong likelihood. We have the DH in the national league, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so Joey Votto strikes me as the kind of guy you would use a DH quite often, right? I mean, he's, he's yeah. not good. He's not great defensively. He is an aging player. Uh, he's going to be 38 this September. So, you know, even if he's not the most frequently used DH, if they have one, my guess is he gets a fair a fair amount of, of uh, plate appearances as the team's designated hitter. Well, we saw what happened this year when Joey couldn't play. They had to use Tyler Stevenson. Um, You know, Mike Moustakis could factor to that conversation as well, I guess. But would they view Tyler Stevenson as somebody they want to use at first base on a regular enough basis because they want Joey to DH? And then obviously you're going to need someone behind the plate. You could do a lot worse than Tucker Barnard.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I keep forgetting about, you know, the you NL, know, the DH thing. Um, I'm just so used to, you know, how things have been. But since we were talking about the offseason, um, you know, a big question is going to be what happens with, you know, Castellanos has the opt-out option. So uh, what, where do you think the team goes with that? Do you think there's a – it's pretty likely that he stays in Cincinnati?
1: I, you know, again – it, it's a question that ignites more questions. I mean, if, if you were Nick Castellanos and you're having an MVP caliber season at the age of 29 and you have a chance to be a free agent this offseason, wouldn't you take that opportunity? I would. You would. I mean, I, I think most of us would. Right. At the same time, um, who knows what free agency is going to look like? Who knows what free agency is going to look like during an offseason in which. A lot of people think it's going to end with a lockout and a work stoppage and maybe a delayed season. So how does that affect his thinking? He has said, and, and I, I believe him when he says, he, he says all the right things about wanting to play in Cincinnati. Uh, he certainly seems to enjoy being a red. His teammates seem to love him. He is the emotional heart and center of this team. But could he parlay a season like this into a contract that exceeds what he's due over the course of his final two years as a red, which is 32 million bucks. My guess is yes, but I don't know that for sure. And so, you know, to me, it's, it's a lot like Trevor Bauer, right? I mean, Trevor Bauer said all the right things about only going to sign one year contracts. And, uh, you know, he, he really seemed to, to, to wrap his arms around being a red, but when push came to shove, he was holding the national league Cy Young award. He was the best pitcher in the NL last year. He had a great postseason performance. He parlayed that into three years and $103 bucks with the L.A. Dodgers. Now, obviously, that may totally fall apart based on the off-field stuff he's dealing with. If if you're Nick Castellanos and you can be a free agent, can you go get more years and more money than you're due right now? I think the answer is yes, but in a landscape like this where free agency has kind of turned its cold shoulder to a lot of guys – and we don't know what the future holds for 2022. Will there be a lockout? What's the economic structure of the sport going to look like? All these, all these questions will be answered this off season. If you're Nick Castellanos, you're taking a little bit of a gamble, but it strikes me if you're him as a gamble worth taking. And then, you know, he can opt out and the Reds could still sign him. I mean, he, he can opt, he can opt out of his current contract, but that would not preclude the Reds from offering him a new deal. But that deal is going to be pretty hefty. And for the club that just cried, spent the winter crying poverty, are they going to be willing to pony up the kind of coin it's going to take to keep Nick Castellanos? And is there a way that they could essentially buy out his buyout, buy out his opt-out and get a deal done before the 2021 season ends? My guess is that that's not something they're going to be willing to do, but it's certainly on the table as a possibility. And so, you know, the the ball's in Nick Castellanos' court if he – If he's satisfied with his current contract, great. Then he's a red in 2022. But for a guy who right now has a very good chance of being the National League's MVP, who's leading the league in hitting, leading the league in total bases, my guess is he's going to try to parlay that into a bigger contract. And then, you know, who knows if the Reds are going to be able to or willing to uh, pony up to be able to keep him.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, keeping him though, is going to be, you know i think that should be a top priority for this team and you know winkers getting there too but you know you might feel differently than i do on this but with Winker passing on and then you got indian stevenson coming up as rookies and playing well and then the the way the starting pitching has been it just feels like this team is you know a couple pieces away from being you know they're they're better, a lot better than i thought they would be this year you know going into next year it feels like they're just a couple pieces away from being real contenders and you know, their bullpen arms away and some stuff like that. So I think that, you know, losing someone like Castellanos would be, you know, really tough to come back from going into next year. And, uh, you know, I think that keeping him would be big. It just depends where they are money-wise. They still got Vado's contract to deal with. But I I do really think that they're pretty close to becoming, you know, even better than they are now.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's – I think there's – when you have a guy like Nick Castellanos – Uh, first of all, forget the year that he's having. And that obviously factors into it. They targeted 2021, I think as the year that they were trying to win, right? When they made all the moves they made before the pandemic last year, and this is Mustakis and Wade Miley and Shogo and, and Nick Castellanos. I, I think they were effectively opening up a two to three year window within which they really thought they could contend. And, we're in the heart of that window right now. And the team is in it, man. They're four games out of first place. And then you add to it, Castellanos having the season that he's having, you can't waste it. And when you have a guy who's performing at his level and you have the core of players, the Reds do, I think you have to take advantage. I think you have to not necessarily go all in is, is an overused term, but I think you have to be aggressive and taking advantage of having Nick Castellanos on your team when you don't know if you're going to have him next year, having him having uh, the, the year that he's, that he's experiencing right now, because you don't know what, what we wh- don't know what the future holds for him, even statistically, if he comes back and, and is, is a red in 2022, uh, this is the window within, they were trying within which they were trying to win. And that, that hasn't changed. And in fact, it's, it's to me that that notion has only been amplified by the way the team has played over the first half of the season. Um, I, I do think, though, that when you look at the 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 the, the future beyond 2021, I mean, I, 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 there's a lot to be excited about. I, I don't think this has to be a situation in which the Reds go for it in 21 and then they have to stink for six years. I mean, it's it's not too far-fetched to think of a rotation next year that could include Hunter Green and Nick Ladello and Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley. That's pretty damn good. There's a lot of teams that would like to know going into 2022 uh, that's what they have. I mean, they have Jonathan Indian, Tyler Stevenson, and you know they, they've they, re- they you know Jose Barea is going to come up and, and and maybe be the the the, the guy who's going to hold down shortstop for, for years to come. Uh, they could still have uh, Mike Mustakas and Nick Castellanos. Mike Mustakas doesn't have the opt-out that uh, Castellanos does. Th- there's no reason to think that, well, if they go for it in 2021 and don't win, or even if they do, that that's going to mean they have to stink next year. They've got a pretty good core of guys, and they've got some young players that a lot of organizations would really like, and they really are developing within the pipeline a pretty nice group of young pitchers, a couple of whom are probably going to be here at some point in 2022. But yeah, look, the the idea all along was to win. in this little window here with this core of guys, 2020, 2021, maybe 2022, they're right within it. And if you look at where they are in the standings, there's there's no reason to not go ahead and try to do everything you can to get to the postseason and advance once you're there.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I didn't think that they would be in this position they are now going into the All Star break. And Then you got you know starting on Friday they got the Brewers in three games and then I believe they got two more series and they're all at home against the Mets and Cardinals. So I think you know that's three big series coming up. Uh, it will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do here at the deadline. Um, you know with the with these big games coming up coming up as well. Uh, how much do you think you know if that? Let's say they go in. Right after the All-Star break, they go against the Brewers, they win some games, uh, and they're just doing well. Do you think that affects what they do at the deadline versus if they come out and they're losing after the deadline?
1: Well, you know, they have 14 games, I think, between now and, and July 30th. If they totally go in the tank, I mean, I, I think you would understand. Let's say they they totally fall in their face, and by the time the trade deadline gets here, they're 10 games out of a playoff spot. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but, but okay. That's one thing, right? Then I think you have to look into uh, some of the players they have and go, okay, if we're not going to win with them, let's try to get something for them. And you, you go into sell mode. I don't think that's going to be the case. I I tend to think that uh, uh, around July 30th, they're still going to at the very least be on the fringe of contention. I, I believe they'll actually be more than just on the fringe of contention. Um, and then it's a question of a couple of different things. I don't think this is a question of does Nick Crawl want to make the team better? Clearly he does. I mean, I don't, you know, we've, we've lumped Nick Krawl and Bob Castellini in with each other as if Nick Crawl, in, in his first attempt to kind of be in the main guy behind the desk of a major league ball club that, you know, he just wants to sit on his hands and not do anything. I, I promise you he wants to be aggressive. How aggressive is he allowed to be? How much is ownership going to empower him to go and do what he feels is necessary to make the team better? How much money is he allowed to spend? Is he allowed to trade whoever he wants? These are all questions that I don't think we have the answers to. And frankly, I'm not even sure Nick Crawl right now has the answers to because the the answers lie at the desk of Bob Castellini. So I, I think that's fair to wonder. Also, what does the market look like between now and July 30th? Who is a buyer now that turns into a seller? Who is a seller now that turns into a buyer? How crowded is the marketplace of teams that want relief help? Good teams get relief pitching too. You know, I, I've made the point a couple of different times. The, the last really, really good Reds team in 2012 had a very good bullpen. Very good. Uh, from Aroldis Chapman to Sean Marshall to Logan Andrusik, Alfredo Simon, J.J. Hoover. A lot of guys who were really reliable that year. They still went out and got Jonathan Broxton last year a lot of pretty reliable arms in that bullpen. They still went out and got Archie Bradley. So the Reds are far from the only team that's that's going to want relief help. How much does the demand for relief pitching, does it exceed the supply or is it vice versa? I'm not sure we have the answer to that question right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, I just think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do here. Uh, you know, and with the games coming up, some big games. So, uh, you know, trade deadline coming up soon. So, uh, modes, I'll let you go here. Uh, Been real nice talking to you. Maybe I can get you back for Bengals season.
1: Anytime. You going to know how to get a hold of me. We'll do it.
0: All right. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Appreciate you it. You got it. Yep. Welcome back, guys. So, uh, the plan for this show, I'll have on a guest every time. Uh, we'll start off the show talking about the Reds and Bengals, since I know that's what most of the people, you know, tuning in are here for um it is the queen city sports podcast it'll be it'll mostly be around uh cincinnati sports and then we'll do a short little rundown of you know just regular sports news stuff like that after so that's what we'll start with um right now we'll do that at the end of the show it'll take you know five ten minutes something like that just something to you know end the show off with so i wanted to start off talking about england and italy in the euro finals i don't know how many people listening right now are soccer fans but i thought it was a pretty good game you could tell you know going into the tournament, or as the tournament went on that Italy were probably the best team in the tournament. they were playing really well, they looked really good and going into the final uh I thought it was gonna be a really good game England uh playing in their home field, they have a lot of talent <clears throat> and uh it it went pretty well. I thought that England once they got that lead two minutes in, they kind of seemed complacent they didn't they didn't try to attack much. I thought they should have got sterling the ball a little bit more uh let him work. They kind of just played defensively and Italy just you know did whatever they wanted to in the second half. I thought they were going to get more than one goal. Uh Chiesa getting hurt was a big blow for Italy, but they managed to come back from that and win penalties. I thought that you know having young guys like Rashford, Sancho and then Saka all back to back um You know in the order for penalties especially with Saka taking the fifth penalty at 19 years old i think having those young guys all in 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 a row going up with the you know the euros on the line in front of all those people in england i thought that was you know maybe a bad move um and you know putting in rashford and sancho right at the end instead of letting them get a little work on the field before they go into penalties because i mean they're they're good penalty takers usually but you know, that's not their role. They're not guys that are just going to come on and take a penalty. They're good players. I thought I couldn't believe that they didn't play the whole game, you know, going in even in extra time. They got in right at the very end of the game with just a couple minutes left to take penalties. I thought, you know, bringing someone like Saka, you know, instead of bringing Rashford on earlier was, you know, a bad move. They needed to get more goals and they just didn't do that. So, Italy are the Euro champions. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do in the World Cup. I think England can bounce back in the World Cup. So, um, you know, moving on to the next topic, we'll talk about Conor McGregor a little bit. Uh, I felt kind of robbed after that fight. It just, you know, Poirier won the first round. That's, I don't think that's up for debate at all. Uh, but I think, you know, people that bought the fight, people watching the fight, I think we were robbed of a great fight just... You know, something very unfortunate happened. McGregor broke his ankle. Uh, I think it could have been a great fight. I mean, that's the thing about the UFC. It's unpredictable. We never know what could happen. Poirier was winning, but just based on McGregor's career, he's done a lot of things that people did not expect. You know, talk about the Jose Aldo fight. What was it? Seven seconds in, knocks out Aldo. So I think we were robbed of a great ending end to that fight. It started off pretty good. Uh, I don't know where McGregor will, will go next. I think... I don't really think he'll go right back into fighting Poirier I think he'll fight somebody else first Poirier will probably fight uh Oliveira uh maybe maybe McGregor and Diaz but you know I've heard a lot of people talking about it and McGregor could lose his next 50 fights I'm gonna watch every single one of them it's he's an entertainer that's what he does and you know I think that he's gonna come back from this a lot of people are gonna buy the fight and I think that you know in terms of being a serious title contender I think that's probably past him but in terms of getting pay-per-view buys and buying and having people buy his pay-per-view watch him listen to his interviews that he's gonna be around for a while i don't think that you know his next fight's gonna be big it could be against nate diaz not even for a title it's gonna have a lot of pay-per-views it's gonna have a lot of hype around it and that's just the, the kind of guy you know mcgregor is so i think he'll bounce back from that um he might not ever be a champion again i don't really know what will happen in the next fight if he ever gets a chance to fight for a championship again but as of right now uh i'm just excited to see him back get back in the ring and it'll be a long recovery but we'll see where he goes from here and um you know with, for the last topic of the rundown we'll talk about the nba finals a little bit i haven't been watching too much i'm going for the suns i think the suns will win in six uh they're up two to one at the time of recording i i don't believe that they won last or the bucks won by 20 last night so They'll play tomorrow um, or today if you're listening on um, Tuesday morning. So uh, I think that this has become a series now. I think that the Suns getting up 2-0 was big. The Bucks got another home game tonight. We'll see what they can do with that. Um, if they can win here, even out to 2-2, go back to Phoenix. Um, I think it'll be pretty – I I still have the Suns in, Suns in six. I think the Bucks will win another one. I do have the Suns tonight. I think they'll get to a three-one lead. The Bucks will win one more, and then the Suns will finish it out. Uh, it's just if you watched if you watched the game or the, the previous game, uh, you know it's really, it's hard to beat the Bucks when Giannis is playing playing well and his role players are playing well too. I don't even know if you'd call Chris Middleton a role player. He's he's a star, but if he's struggling, it's hard for Giannis just to carry that team by himself. And you got Chris Middleton who's playing good. Drew Holiday's playing good. They're tough to beat. And the same thing could be said for the Suns. Devin Booker did not have a good game the other night, was shooting poorly. So if Devin Booker can get on his game, he's got Chris Paul playing well, Ayton, They're another tough team to beat. And I don't think that we've really seen both these teams at their absolute peak where you have Giannis playing well for the Bucks and the Middleton and Holiday playing well. At the same time as, you know, Booker, Paul, and Aiton all at the top of their game. I think it's been kind of, you know, the first two games the Suns really did that. Middleton and Holiday weren't weren't uh, too big of factors. And then this most recent game, uh, Booker was struggling. Um, if they can all get it figured out, I think it'll be a great game if, all, if both teams can get all their players going. So, uh, yeah, that's about it for the rundown this week. Uh, we'll get back to it next week. Um, big... Big guest next week. It'll be exciting to you know, have a chat about the Reds. We'll talk about the Bengals more next week. I know we didn't really touch on the Bengals uh much today. It's kinda in the slow part of the off season, but there'll be a lot of Bengals content on this show. This is just the first show and it's in the peak of Red Season. We're at the All Star break. There's, you know, the NBA finals going on and all that. So I think that, you know, as we get closer to Bengals season this will become primarily a Bengals show right now. It's mostly Reds. And that's not saying that We'll just ditch talking about the Reds once the Bengals season comes around. I think it'll, you know, we'll have guests that are more Bengals related and talk about the Bengals a lot, have a little Reds talk after. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty, pretty much it for this episode. I appreciate everyone coming out and listening. Um, we'll tune in next week, uh, Tuesday morning. So, thank you guys.